nature, the environment, uh, needs all of the all of the tools and all of the reasons to protect and restore it that we can that we can find. And and here's just yet another one. It's, it's good. Nature is good for you. It's good for creativity. It's good for performance. It reduces stress and so on, especially among those who need it the most. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of The Daily Helping. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have a really interesting guest today. Dr. Wallace J. Nichols is called The Keeper of the Sea by GQ Magazine and a visionary by Outside Magazine as he is an innovative, silo-busting entrepreneurial scientist, movement maker, renowned marine biologist, voracious earth and idea explorer, wild water advocate, best-selling author, sought-after lecturer, and fun-loving dad. Nichols' experiences as a field research scientist, government consultant, founder and director of numerous businesses and nonprofit organizations, teacher, mentor, parent, and advisor all support his quest to build a stronger and more diverse blue movement. He has authored more than 200 scientific papers, technical reports, book chapters, and popular publications. He has also lectured in more than 30 countries in nearly all 50 states and has appeared in hundreds of print, film, radio, and television media outlets, including NPR, BBC, PBS, CNN, MSNBC, National Geographic, Animal Planet, Time, Newsweek, GQ, Outside Magazine, USA Today, Elle, Vogue, Fast Company, Surfer Magazine, Scientific Atlantic, and New Scientist, among many others. His book, Blue Mind, published in summer 2014 by Little Brown and Company, quickly became a national bestseller and has been translated to numerous languages and inspired a wave of media and practical application. Jay, welcome to the show. My pleasure to join you, Dr. Richard. So I wanted to, I wanted to start by talking about your journey because I, I love stories, as you know, and, and yours is an interesting one. So take us back to some key events in your life, which led you to do this really interesting work that you're doing today. Yeah, well, I think I'm like a lot of people I, at, at an early age, I, I fell in love with being in the water, being near the water, you know, playing in the water. And, you know, a lot of kids who learn to swim uh, are then, you know, berated by their parents to get out of the pool and they want to stay in the pool and they got, you know, the pruny fingers in the summer and, and I was, I was one of those kids. And I just, for whatever reason, loved the time that I got to spend near, in, on, and underwater so much that I tried to figure out how I could do more of it, you know, in my life as, as a career. And that kind of led me down the path of, of becoming a marine biologist, which 
I think a lot of marine biologists would tell a similar story. They, they fell in love in some way with, with the sea or with the water and, and sought a career that would connect them. But there's an extra kind of twist to it in my case, and that is the, the, the interest in uh, human biology. And both through my own um, health issues as, as a kid, I had spinal meningitis, and being adopted, I was very curious about genetics. So I, I became also kind of simultaneously interested in, in medicine and health and well-being and uh, genetics and, and the human nervous system. And uh, so I, you know, I pursued a path that led me to become a marine biologist, but I always had this, you know, this curiosity and you maybe call it a hobby, uh, re- reading about, about health and, and neuroscience and psychology. And so that, that kind of leads us to, you know, combining those two things into this idea that I call blue mind. Uh, but I didn't get there uh, immediately. I, I spent a lot of time tracking sea turtles and studying the ocean and trying to save endangered species uh, and realized that the missing ingredient or the missing tool in our toolbox to protect the ocean was our understanding of human emotion. And this, uh, at least at the time, um, less quantifiable or less tangible uh, water brain or water emotion connection, and so that's that's kind of the quick ramp up to this you know the topic of blue mind. But you know, like a lot of people, I think you know you you look back and you can see the seeds of your thinking, your philosophies, your passions, and even your career and major choices uh, in your childhood. And I, Certainly, that was the case. And it just all came together for you. And, and what you've combined is so interesting. And I, I mentioned this before we started recording that my first guest, Paul J. Zach, is really amazing in that he combined economics and neuroscience. But I have never heard anybody combine physiology, psychology, and the ocean. And that is the blue mind. So let's talk about blue mind and, and you know, you said you spent some time chasing turtles and whatnot before you got there, but you got there. And so share, share with us what Blue Mind is. Well, you know, the, the thing that I wanted to do is to better understand what compels people to care so much about, about our waterways, about the ocean, about the animals in the ocean. And so I went looking for um, a book like Blue Mind so that I could use it as a tool for our work with endangered ocean animals. And I couldn't find the book. I, I thought maybe it's out of print. Maybe it was written in German. Maybe it's um, just kind of somewhat obscure. And I searched and searched and exhausted the possibilities and found that the book hadn't been written. So then I, I tried to get some other people to write it and you know, um, maybe even pitched it to Dr. Zach along the way. But certainly I remember asking uh, the late, great uh, Dr. Oliver Sachs if he would write it because he was a water lover and you know a student and a student observer of all things related to the brain and a very good writer. And he said, uh, "That's a fine idea. You do it." And I basically said, "Oh crap! That's that <laughs> <laughs> is was quite a forceful um, forceful intellect." And uh, so then I set out to to write this book that is now called Blue Mind and. 
the phrase blue mind refers to that, you know, mildly meditative, connected, calm feeling of, you know, some people describe it one with the universe that we get when we're either alone or with someone we like spending time near, in, on, or underwater. And that may be in the backyard if you're, if you have a pool or you live near water, it may be vacation time. Uh, it may even be the bathtub if you have a, a big enough bathtub that allows you to fully relax. And so I call that blue mind. And I guess the best way to understand blue mind is to start with red mind, which is where most people these days are spending most of their time in a, you know, at least a, a mildly distracted, if not extremely distracted, perhaps mildly stressed out or anxious, if not extremely so. A highly connected, stimulated environment, and even made more so through technology and all the various kinds of screens that we have around us. So that's that's red mind, and there's a there are gradations of red mind. Uh, but when you when you understand that state, it's easier to understand blue mind, which is the opposite. Frankly, it's uh, when we get to just step back and log out and turn things off and uh, quiet down. Uh, perhaps move you know away from the technology and go outside, uh, make our way to the edge of the water where auditorily and visually things are sim- more simple, and uh, even get in the water if if we're careful and the water is is uh, in the right shape, um, and then you float, and then so you're you know, somatically you're giving up uh, some bandwidth there, and so now you're your brain is in a place where you've got more bandwidth because you're not processing sounds and languages and incoming visual information. You're not coordinating the muscles of your body. Uh, you're just calmly uh, floating or, or sitting or sailing or paddling, even surfing. And that's blue mind right there. That, that's a, some people call it vacation. Some people call it <laughs> the weekend. Uh, some people call it a, you know, a dream. Um, but it's uh, it involves water and and ourselves. So so blue mind is a state of being. But you you've teased a little bit about the physiological reactions and and what happens in the brain a little bit when we get in water. So like you mentioned, you know the lack of the auditory and the visual stimulation. But take us through Jay. What actually happens step by step to the brain? when it gets exposed to water. And so I think that the best way to understand it is to clearly unpack all of all of our 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 body and our minds, the brain's response. And what we've found is even when people are standing in front of a an aquarium tank, uh, they start to breathe more slowly. Their their heart rate slows. Uh, their skin temperature cools, they become calmer. So all the physiological signals of, uh, of calmness uh, take place. And that's just, you know, in a, in a sort of an artificial water environment. Of course, it also occurs when we're out by a calm river or a lake or, or an ocean. So there's, there's that, you know, relatively uh, easy, easy to study physiological response. Then there's a neurochemical response. So you'll see uh, a reduction in, in cortisol levels, so less stress hormone um, in, in saliva, 
and certainly in, in blood samples, but easier, you know, to collect saliva samples. Um, so there's that that sort of neurochemical response, and then there's the internal response to the water around us that's going on in our brains. And so neuroscientists, you know, of which I am not one, but they refer to the default mode network, and it's a a, I guess you could say, a, a mode or a, a state of, of your brain where you become more self-referential, more insightful. It's when creativity can happen, when perhaps mind-wandering can happen, uh, as opposed to sort of living in the front of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, where you're, you're solving problems and you're very attentive and you're paying close attention to information and, and language and faces and and very a very outward kind of focused perspective, uh, which is how we live most of the time necessarily, uh, and increasingly so in in modern times. So we shift into that that mode, which is you know often associated with with creativity or insight and and breakthrough kinds of aha thinking. It's it's interesting, and I'm curious if the research you've looked at has found that this. But we know that when we hook up electrodes to people's brains, and we see what sort of brainwave states they're in, that when they're in more of this meditative state, uh, often known as alpha, like the the alpha waves, is something that we've studied, and we know that we are more in touch with our creativity and our egos kind of dialed down a bit. Has your research indicated that in that mode that that's the, the brain frequencies that are being emitted the most at the same time, at that time rather? Yeah, that's right. So most of that research has focused on what scientists like to call green space. And green space is a euphemism for plants, <laughs> nature, uh, rather than blue space, which is a reference to water. But most, so most of the outdoor sort of um, environmental neuroscience or even environmental neuroeconomics has focused on green space rather than blue space. Uh, you can imagine that you know being by water may have a similar effect as uh, being, say, in a forest. And in fact, it's true. Uh, what we found is green space is good for us in exactly the ways you described. It puts us in the in a mildly meditative. Uh, calmer, more creative place. Uh, there's less rumination, less worry, um, less anxiety. Uh, and when you add water to that, so you have green space with maybe a river going through it, it works even better. So, you know, the, the perfect mix, it seems, is something that involves plants and water. Perhaps that's not really a, a big surprise. Uh, it's kind of intuitive, but oftentimes, you know, conversations about health and wellness in fact are are pretty intuitive we know we know what feels good uh, we know what we need more of but the science hasn't hasn't quite caught up to it and uh, you can connect the dots here so this is this is where it gets really fun in term, terms of the writing is when you've got you know the science that's showing these insights and then you look throughout history and even in in you know the recent past and you see what creative people have said about their creative processes. And you find that, lo and behold, it's fairly popular to go spend time outside, taking a walk in the forest, going down to the river, uh, perhaps even sailing, um, spending time on the coast in order to 
get through writer's block or a you know a creative dry spell no pun intended there uh, go to the water and it 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 frees that that up so it's it's a uh, really fun to kind of look at the uh, the anecdotal uh, and the, the beautifully poetic anecdotal uh, evidence and then pull in the this emerging research that seems um, to be kind of really picking up I think uh, now I'm, I'm paying probably more attention than most people so I'm noticing the the uh, the quickening of the interest in it and and that's a good thing because our um, nature the environment uh, needs all of the all of the tools and all of the reasons to protect and restore it that we can that we can find and and here's just yet another one it's it's good nature is good for you it's good for creativity it's good for performance it reduces stress and so on especially among those who need it the most whether it's somebody with post traumatic stress or as we refer to kids that are are in trouble that at risk youth even drug addicts have found some relief uh, in surf therapy or fishing therapy and other outdoor endeavors. I think there's a lot of uh, growing interest in, in this conversation and a, and a lot of potential as well. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. It's really interesting. And much of what you've described, Jay, is kind of automatic processes. You know, we get around water, even if you're in a, near an aquarium, that your body, temper, body temperature lowers a little bit or breathing rate tends to slow. These are things that happen without us thinking about these automated, automatic processes in our bodies and in our brains. But talk to us a little bit about what your research has shown in terms of our emotional connection to water. You know, I think there's a there's been a slow process of disconnect, and uh, you know, it's been really front and center for me lately, and and communicating with folks who have been uh, around these well, this sequence of hurricanes, and and learning that in many cases, entire families do not have a person that knows how to swim. Uh, in in the household, and the uh, there's obviously a downside to that when water has filled your home, and there's a need to to evacuate through the water. Um, but that's just a maybe a, a symptom uh, or a signal of this broader disconnect from the aquatic parts of our planet, which you know really are uh, the majority of of the Earth. And you know as we become less connected to it and um we, we become less connected to these emotional benefits that that it can provide and if if we go down the list of emotions that people talk about who who enjoy and appreciate blue space uh, who hang out in the water 
or near the water. You find words like peace uh, and freedom. Uh, people talk about awe and wonder. And people talk about romance, relaxation, happiness. And if you take any of those and just pull it, pull it out of that list and ask questions about, say, the science of awe or the science of wonder, the science of happiness, you will find a book about it, you know, literally, and you know, a whole section of the bookstore about the neuroscience, the psychology of happiness. Uh, that's a relatively new phenomenon that there are books about science of happiness, science of, of relaxation. And even the science of awe and wonder. And so that's it. My goal here is to kind of uh, get in touch with those folks and say, hey, uh, check out water. You know, you didn't mention water in your list of things that help people be happy, but why not? Let's, let's look at the feeling of awe that people get when they are around the water, when they're watching a sunset over water. Uh, how is that any different? Um, and it turns out that you know many of these positive emotions have a physiological upside. Uh, they're good for us. They're good for uh, our, again we talked about creativity. Good, good for stress relief. Good for building uh, relationships. Good for solving problems, and good for our overall health. So something like awe turns out sets us up to be more empathetic, and empathy and compassion are incredibly important to. You know, solving a lot of problems. Um, so, start connecting the dots here, and you realize that spending time by your favorite waterway or by the ocean, by a lake or a river, uh, in fact, could could be a pathway to building more compassion and empathy uh, in in your family, in your community, across the country. And that connection to nature is is in fact medicine for. Uh, for society. And so that's a quick, you know, that's a pretty quick uh, leap through, you know, going from, you know, cortisol to uh, transform, transforming a nation. But I'm, I'll, I'll underline and bold that I think our relationship with water is, is one of the major things that gives me hope uh, about our future. But reconnecting people with their wild waterways. And I know that that's something that you're heavily focused on in the book, Jay, the, the premise that healthy oceans help mankind. We have focused as marine biologists and conservationists on the economic, the ecological, and educational value of oceans and lakes and rivers. But, you know, it's the fourth E, the one that we're talking about here, uh, which is the emotional value that is often left out. And, you know, when you bring scientists and medical researchers to the table uh, that allows you to talk about the science of emotion in a really cool different way and open this conversation up to that 25 percent more uh, uh, that involves the, you know the science of emotion so that's kind of where this this is headed for me I love this everything you're saying really resonates with me it, I think that it just sounds like we all need to pick up and, and move to the water and we'll all be happier people. But uh, I, I, in seriousness, though, it, what's what's interesting is that, you know, this the blue mind, people are starting to become more aware of it. And, and you speak in the book about how it is really this blue mind transforming us in a lot of ways. And we spent a good amount of time talking about 
how Blue Mind is transforming our health and our overall well-being. But there's some other ways that the Blue Mind is influential as well. Could you talk about some of those? Yeah, well, it's, you know, I, th- I think it's a perspective, some would say a philosophy, but it's a perspective that allows us to uh, communicate differently about, about the value of our, our water planet, change the conversation for good is the way I like, I like to put it. Uh, but from, from end to end in our lives, from, from the moment we're born you know, into this water world, we come out of you know, a watery environment called the womb, and then we, we play in water. And as we grow up, we, water is often a backdrop to romance. Uh, you know, whether, you, whether it's overlooking a lake at, you know, at night or going to the beach. I proposed to my, my wife on a beach. We got uh, married uh, overlooking the water and you know, probably going a little too far to admit it, but it, probably both of our kids were conceived and, you know, with, at least within <laughs> years. And uh, that's maybe a little too personal, but that uh, is true. And our lives, you know, are emotionally and intimately connected to our relationship with nature and, and water in particular. You know, we get into this, the age that we are right now where we're, you know, we're expected to be productive and creative on demand and solve problems in our households. And so you need, you need a, um, a reset button. Water can be that as well. Uh, and then later in life, when we start to slow down, water can become more therapeutic. And then it, finally, it's a place that we go and, and mourn uh, the loss of loved ones. And uh, it's, it's, an, it's a common practice to go and scatter ashes or, or hold a memorial um, near water, uh, whether it's a, a pond or an ocean. Um, so, you know, you, it's, it's good to remember all of that. And it's good to value uh, the water that's in our lives for all of those things. In addition, of course, to the economic value that, that they bring an ecological role that our wild waterways play. Makes, makes perfect sense. Uh, I would, if you wouldn't mind, love to have you expand on in what way the blue mind is impacting the arts, architecture and design and urban planning. Oh, you bet. So I've, you know, I've identified nine different major sectors that Blue Mind is connected to, and I, I won't take time to go through them all right now, but they spell a pretty nifty acronym, which is WET HEARTS. So it helps me, it helps me to remember them. But so in, in that group of nine sectors uh, are arts and architecture and design. And so when I, I've actually taught Blue Mind science at architecture schools. And in order to help them rethink the way they're designing um, household goods and designing buildings and uh, designing towns and cities, so urban planning, architecture, and just the, the things that surround us uh, can be designed differently when we have you know, what I call a blue mind. Um, creating more access for more people uh, is, is one way. And, and you know, a well-designed city is one that takes into account a, uh, that access, that, that view shed, uh, that makes public space available at the edge of the water so it isn't just available to those who can afford it, but becomes available to anybody who can, can move themselves to that location. Uh, and we've, we're seeing that really take off around the world. And there's a sort of an urban waterway revival underway in places like 
Well, in London and places like Pittsburgh, even, um, you know, the three rivers that that converge in downtown Pittsburgh uh, used to be considered kind of an eyesore, something you, you really didn't want to go and look at. And that's changing. So the whole, the soul of downtown Pittsburgh is, is changing because of this relationship uh, with their rivers. And that's something that a, a lot of cities and, and communities are, are embracing. Uh, it, it boosts economic value of, of that, uh, that land, but it, all, it also changes the, changes the vibe, you know, um, changes the feel, it changes the, the sociality of living in those places. It gives people a, a truly stunningly beautiful public place to go and um, hold ceremonies and recreate. Uh, to take their kids to you know to propose to their their honey and even to go and remember those who've been lost um, and that that's a big deal it's a really big deal and so that's just you know one example of how this thinking is 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 spreading um, you know I see it in in healthcare which is you know the main topic here but uh, as well as as design and parenting, my, let's talk two about that. Yeah, yeah let's let's, let's, let's <laughs> talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a if you're a parent or you want to be a parent, this is pay attention. Water is one of your best friends. Water is like. So I'll tell you a story. Um, driving along with my kids, and this is in the East Coast, visiting family. They're in the back seat, and now the two daughters. They're twelve and fifteen. This is a few years ago, so three years apart. And they're getting into an argument that escalates. And I, I really think somebody's going to lose an eyeball in this process. So I pull over, we get out, I say, let's go. And we, we take a little walk on the beach. Literally 30 seconds into the walk on the beach, they're holding hands. The topic has drastically changed. They're, and they're probably talking about Justin Bieber for all I know, but the tension is gone the conflict is gone and they're in a different state of mind called blue mind. So we get back in the car after our walk and they're calmer and there's not much conflict. And my little daughter says, dad, did you just do that blue mind thing on us? And I said, well, yep, of course. And I'm pretty, pretty glad that they know uh, that, that exists inside of them that they can regulate their emotions by moving their body uh, closer to water to just shifting it up and that that's something that's available to them uh, it's available to us as parents um, bath time is always a happy time generally speaking uh, it's a time to get you know calm and sit and play and you know so that uh, that closer contact with our with our kids uh same thing with swimming in a pool you know when they climb all over you and and you throw them up in the air and, and all, all that kind of thing that i you know did spent my life doing that with my dad and pass that along to my kids and hopefully they'll do the same so you know making sure you pass on the really the lifelong benefits of enjoying competently and confidently enjoying water uh, to our kids for all the reasons we've been dis been discussing. I love that. And I, I wanted to certainly before we, we ended today, bring something up that you recently 
were the recipient of award, an award, the Champion of Change Award. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the the um, so big event in New York City uh, about the ocean. So you know, prior to the um, the big UN Oceans Conference, and they held a, the World Ocean Festival out on Governor's Island, and the Prime Minister of Fiji presented me with a, a Champion of Change Award, which was a, a surprise and, and a great honor. Um, but I, I think it was a recognition that this work and and my role in this work is really a curatorial. Uh, I'm, I'm a marine ecologist, not a neuroscientist or psychologist. Um, so my job is to connect the, connect the dots and tell the story and make it accessible. Um, so the the award really goes to this entire movement, this entire community of, of researchers, practitioners, and communicators that are I think changing the way we think about water on planet Earth, so that we're we're updating the story of water, and just in time, I think to uh, do a better job of fixing what's broken, and uh, and doing so not just for the sake of the turtles, the oceans, the lakes, and the rivers, but ourselves, our wellness, our our, our access to romance and play, and. Uh, the places we go to mourn and the places we go to think and relax uh, at the edges of, of the water. Because when the water is sick or the water is messed up or dead, it doesn't do this stuff that um, the cognitive, emotional, psychological, social, and spiritual benefits that were there, they go away. Uh, they disappear when we wreck the place. And so that's really, you know, that's, the message right there in a, in a nutshell is let's let's understand the true full value of of all of this blue space all of this water and talk about it teach it have conversations like this one and make sure everybody knows that you know, that the pond down the street is, is a really good place to go if you're having a, a crappy day uh, or the beach um, for vacation or you know, small, medium, and large waterways that surround all of us. Uh, so that's my, that's my mission right there. And, and your mission continues via your Blue Mind Fund. So share with us a little bit about the Blue Mind Fund and how our listeners can contribute to that. Yeah, so anyone that's interested in, in uh, being part of what we're doing, just please, please get in touch. Um, I'm easy to find through social media, online, email, you name it. One of the ways, if if you choose to get involved, is to join our crowdfunding campaign at any level. Really, a dollar a month is helpful. Um, that gets you in in the door, so to speak, and it gets you access to kind of some cool stuff like some live streams and and uh, a, you know an online course that um, will will give free access to our supporters. And loops you into this conversation, kind of in, in kind of in the front row of it. But it isn't all about just the you know the financial ask. But it's uh, you know taking this information, getting a copy of the book or you know the audio book, or you can even find chapters for free if you look hard enough on the internet, or go to the library and check the book out uh, and learn about yourself, learn about water and yourself, and then practice something differently. You know, update your your user's manual. Uh, update the way you parent. Uh, update the way you lead 
or work with your uh, your colleagues, update the way you take care of yourself, and uh, and and I, I I guarantee it will be a, at least a little bit better uh, than before you engage with this conversation. And, and Jay, I think you might have just done this, but as you know, I always wrap up my shows with a question. I ask everybody, "What is the biggest helping, the single most important piece of information you want somebody to walk away with after hearing this today?" Yeah, I you know after I wrote the book, I sat down. And I wanted to end the book. You know, for what do you say right at the end? And I wrote, "Get in the water." Get in the water. Just figure that out for you. I'm sure you're not getting in the water enough. Uh, take some time, even if it's just a candle and, and the sound of the ocean on a, on a, out of a speaker and a bath. Um, plan your next trip a, around some really good water time. Uh, take your kids or take your family or take your friends and your loved ones and get in the water. Maybe learn a new skill, learn a new sport, something that's been in the back of your mind for a long time, or maybe something you used to do that you haven't done in a long time. Maybe you haven't been scuba diving in a long time and you used to, or surfing or paddling or fishing. Um, just do it. Get in the water, get on the water and bring somebody with you. Um, drag someone along. That is my, that's it. That's it right there. Do it. Just do it. And you already know how good it will be. I don't, I don't think I need to convince anyone of that, but prioritize it and, uh, and it'll make your life just a little better. Get in the water. I love it. Jay, where can people find you? Uh, if you look up my name, my full name is Wallace J. Nichols. So if you go to that.org, um, you'll, find, you'll find my blog and all my contact info. You type in that same thing on any social media, you'll you'll find me. There aren't a lot of people with a lot. There aren't a lot of people named Wallace J. Nichols. So that's me. And just reach out and let's continue the conversation. Perfect. And for those of you driving around in the car, we will have all of Dr. Nichols' information, links to the Blue Mind Fund Patreon page, his book, and everything else that is Blue Mind in the Daily Helping app and in the show notes on the Daily Helping website. So, Jay, thank you so much for being on today. This was a really cool conversation, as I knew that it was going to be. I loved it, and I, and I know uh, we barely scratched the surface of all of your expertise and insight and your love of water. So maybe uh, let's let's do part two someday. Yeah, no, we'll, we will definitely do a part two one day in the future. That will be awesome. So thank you again. And I want to thank everybody who tuned in today. If you like what you heard, please go subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a five-star review because that's what helps other people find the podcast and get to hear amazing guests like Jay today. So most importantly, though, go out there and do something nice for somebody else today, even if you don't know them. Post it in your feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 